A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Chapter 15, verses 1 through 41. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had a heated argument and debate with them, the brothers determined that Paul and Barnabas and some of the others should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Therefore, after being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles. And they were bringing great joy to all the brothers and sisters. When they arrived in Jerusalem, they were received by the church, the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and direct them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you. That by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did, just as he also did to us. And he came down and he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Since this is the case, why are you putting God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither you nor your forefathers have been able to bear. But we believe that we are saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in the same way as they also are. All the people kept silent. And they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they stopped speaking, James responded saying, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has described how God first concerned himself about taking a people for his name from among the Gentiles. The words of the prophets agree with this, just as it is written. After these things I will return, and I will rebuild the fallen tabernacle of David, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord makes these things known from long ago. Therefore, it is my judgment that we do not cause trouble for those from the Gentiles who are turning to God. 
but that we write to them that they may abstain from things contaminated by idols, from acts of sexual immorality, from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has those who preach him in every city, since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas, who is called Barsabas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers. And they sent this letter with them. The apostles and the brothers who are elders to the brothers and sisters in Antioch, Syria, Cilicia, who are from the Gentiles. Greetings. Since we have heard that some of our number to whom we gave no instruction have confused you by their teaching, upsetting your souls, it seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same things by the word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than that than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from acts of sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch, and after gathering the congregation together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brothers and sisters with a lengthy message. After they had spent time there, they were sent away from the brothers and sisters in peace to those who had sent them out. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, with many others also. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's return and visit the brothers and sisters in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord, and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul was of the opinion that they should not take along with them, this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to work, to do the work. Now it turned into such a sharp agreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas. And after, and left after being entrusted by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be- Father, we come here to receive your word, to get filled with your spirit, to commune with other saints that you have blessed us with and sovereignly put us uh, in fellowship with. 
We pray that you would come here now, open our ears, open our spirits, and open my mouth. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So we're continuing in our series in Acts, and I'm a little uh, wondering if I should just try to do this whole thing or just do the first two verses, because it's right in line with what Reg was saying. And so we'll just see how far we get, and we'll go from there. And we might do the rest of Acts chapter 15 uh, next week. And so, which is okay. The great thing about being post-millennial is that you at least know in Scripture that time is on your side. <laughs> is that that's the view that through the church, through God's pouring out of spirit, things are going to get better and better and better. And so we're not pressed to get everything done today. We'll be here next Sunday. And we're not, we do need to get some things done. We do need to move through the Scriptures as we're studying the book of Acts. But we really do have time on our side. And so we're not pressed by any means, to have any stress or anxiety to, to push through. And I don't think I'll go through the whole thing anyways. So hopefully you've got an outline um, in, your, in your bulletin. I think we were a little short on bulletins this morning. But um, I wanted to first remind us, as we're going through Acts, we're getting to a pinnacle point in the book of Acts where most of the book of Acts up until this point has been, can Gentiles even be Christians? Can they even be admitted to the faith, or is it only for Jewish people? And after, um, uh, after that debate has kind of been handled now, there's a new debate about whether Gentiles, if they're going to be admitted into the church, and it's not just a Jewish sect anymore, how do they come in? And so I want to re- remind us of our kind of theme verse that, uh, that Luke, who's the writer of Acts, puts right in the beginning. Um, in Acts 1.8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so that's the time we're in now. We have not gotten to the ends of the earth, so we are continuing to be witnesses of Jesus Christ uh, until at least we get to that point, and we'll see what happens after that. And But uh, in what I've been trying to do is relate that idea of what the church is doing, what, what Jesus is doing through his church, through various scriptures, and so we've looked at the Great Commission in Acts 20, or I'm sorry, in Matthew 28, where he tells us to disciple all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, we've looked at various Old Testament passages that allude to the same thing that, that Greg mentioned this morning in Micah 4 and Isaiah 2, and, but I want to note the very first verse in Acts says, this is Luke, and so Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, and now he's writing a second book. Uh, that we're going through called Acts. It says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so if you look at the Gospels, that's what Jesus started to do. That's where his earthly ministry started, and Acts is where he's continuing. And so after chapter 1, you don't see, uh, except for chapter is it 7 or 8, that Jesus uh, comes to Paul in Damascus. Jesus is not a primary, primary uh, book, about what Jesus is doing bodily here on earth. He was risen uh, from the dead after he was crucified. He ascended into heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Right? We, Acts, Acts 9. I was uh, only one or two chapters off. And so I, the book of Acts is just simply what he's saying is that this is what Jesus is continuing to do on the earth. And it's always coming through his people. And so we have to kind of look at the book of Acts like that. We have to understand the book of Acts that 
Jesus isn't just like risen into heaven and he's there and now we're just trying to sort some things out and we're just going to wait patiently until he comes back and I really hope that soon because you know I get bored and and you know various things or whatever and so we have to view the book of Acts uh, as that and so well also another thing I want to note is um, not just how we're seeing seeing Christ work through his people in the book of Acts the book of Acts and the Gospels are a new Pentateuch. It's five books of the, the first five books of the New Testament that are the only historical books, the only historical narratives. And four of those are Jesus' ministry in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then the only historic narrative we get of the church is in the book of Acts. And so we get other insights about the church and doctrine and various things in, in the other uh, 23 books of the New Testament, the epistles and Revelation and, and, um, and whatnot. And so we get other insights into how the church operated, but we don't get any other historic narrative about what the church did or how they gathered or what they look like. And so that is supposed to be contrasted with the Pentateuch of the Old Testament and the Old Testament is supposed to be contrasted in, I don't mean as opposed to or in, in opposite terms, the New Testament and the Old Testament are not two uh, dialectical you know, books or, or group of books that are totally opposed to each other, but you're supposed to see in the Old Testament that these are God's chosen people, and largely they fail. There's a few key figures like Abraham, Moses, David, the patriarchs, that are filled with the Spirit and are, are leading the people of God. And but largely, the church in the Old Testament is a book of failures. Do not do this, right? Uh, I always love to mention uh, the book of Judges. The book of Judges is probably the most clear to me of what not to do. And so don't cut a prostitute up into 12 pieces and send, them out, send her out to various people. <laughs> don't do it, right? That's not a book of like, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. No. The book of Judges clearly points out that they had no ruler leading them. Everybody did whatever they felt like doing. Don't do that. And so we're supposed to look at the book of Acts as Jesus giving his spirit to the church and empowering them to be the people of God that they've always been called to be. Right? And unless there are certain cases uh, in, the, in the New Testament, especially in, in Acts, where we're told, don't do that. Right when Philip goes to uh, Samaria and he's preaching to Simon the magician and he wants to buy the Holy Spirit, he wants to buy the power of God, and he's repri you're reprimanded not to do that, and you're in the gall of bitterness, so don't do that. And so we have to look at the book of Acts as a model for the New Testament church, for the New Testament people of God. It starts with them getting filled with the Holy Spirit. It starts with God pouring out his spirit, and it then continues, um, and every subsequent chapter after that is just how are the people of God being filled with the spirit to do Jesus' ministry. And so in Jesus, in the Gospels, he had three primary ministries. Uh, you might add like a fourth one. I would add a fourth one, but it's like, is that part of the first one? And so the first one is a teaching ministry. The second is a deliverance ministry, and the third is a healing ministry. And that's what you see the church doing in the New Testament. And the fourth one I would add on there, which might be part of the first one, a teaching ministry, is a, is a leading ministry or, or 
raising up other people to, he, he begins doing that in the Gospels. And so, but that's really like a teaching ministry. I don't know. Uh, you guys decide. That's on you. I've got my own position. But, but those are the things that you see in the book of Acts. They're not doing, they're not, they didn't take Jesus' teachings and his ministry and say, let's do something completely different. Jesus was really good, um, but I think I could do it better, right? They've got the same spirit, and they're, they're called to the same mission. And so uh, one other thing that uh, God sovereignly ordained and, and God's spirit moves in, in the same way and that I was thinking about, I was like, well, if I don't have that much time, we're just going to talk about this. And, uh, and Greg mentioned Hebrews 13, 7, that talks about, Remember your leaders and those who uh, spoke the word of God to you and um, uh, imitate their, their faith. Right? Consider the outcome of their way of life and, and imitate their faith. And so that right there is a, a good scripture to look at of the book of Acts. And so when Ephesians says that we have, uh, that when Christ rose, he gave us gifts. And you're like, oh, good, gifts. I love gifts. What are they? Apostles, prophets, shepherds, teachers, evangelist, right? Like, oh, I thought it was money. I like, you guys are thinking about getting me a Christmas present, you guys can get me Chick-fil-A gift cards or just cash or something like that. But, uh, but Paul says that's what, when Christ uh, rose, those are the gifts we got. And those, of, starting with the apostles, that are the, the cornerstone and the foundation of the church that, that Christ commissioned. And so when the writer of Hebrews is saying that, he's, that's an indication that we should be looking at the book of Acts as a model for what our church should look like today. The book of Acts should give us an idea of what Jesus' mission was with the first century Christians, what they were doing, and what we should be doing. And so when we should all go home, and as we've um, said from the pulpit, like, you should be reading, try to stay in line with the book of Acts as we go through it. It's, it's a little bit hard to tell based on our preaching schedule whether we're going to be we're preaching from Acts or if there's a, a, a subsequent message or something else at the 1030. But keep in step with the, as we read through the book of Acts, I would suggest try to read the book of Acts every week. Um, if not, at least try to come prepared reading uh, the chapter that we, that we are going through, and think about and, and pray about it. As a, does our church look like that? Is that what we do? Are we imitating and modeling the, the churches in the book of Acts? Are we doing the same things they're doing? Does, their, does our ministry look like their ministry? The way they did things, the ways they raised up elders, the way they operated, the way they fellowshiped, the, the way they met together, uh, the second point that I'm not going to get to today is the way they had friction and intertwined with each other. That's the first thing you get in community is, is first you get a sense of unity, and the second thing you get is friction uh, and, and problems when you get people together. I always find that like when I'm by myself, there's like almost no problems. Everything's perfect. And as, as soon as one other person gets in the picture, there's... For whatever reason, it's always the other person that's causing these problems. I don't get it. But, uh, but right, how did they handle problems? How did they handle heresies? How did they handle other people and fellowship? And we should be reading through the book of Acts regularly and trying to find what God is doing and how we would imitate that. 
consider the book of Acts and their outcome of their way of life. All right, what did they do? They planted multiple churches. They, they raised up elders. They, they sent out missionaries. They spoke the gospel. They met weekly. They communed together, right? They're, as Josiah was talking this morning, uh, in Acts chapter 2, it says that they prayed together daily. So uh, everybody, find some time in your schedule every day to meet with somebody and pray, right? A good start would be like, it's a little bit hard for me to like think, well, whose house can I go to? And I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. I've got like two other Christians that live in my house. They're called my wife and my daughter. That's a, that's a good place to start. Start a prayer meeting in your house. Uh, and if you live alone, invite others. See who else lives alone. Or go to their house. Knock on their door. At mostly appropriate hours. Uh, but And so we should be the point I really want to hammer is we should be looking at the book of Acts and saying, what are we missing? If we don't look like the church in Acts, if we're not, if we're not, we don't have any resemblance to them and you can't read the book of Acts and be like, yeah, we did that last week. We did that this week. That's what we're planning on doing. That's what we're taking active steps forward. Then something's missing. And it's our job to find out what that is. It's our job to not just read the book of Acts and be like, wow, those are some pretty cool things. I like that story. And then throw it out, get it out of your brain, and go home and uh, think about what you're going to eat or whatever. And so uh, the very first uh, verse in Acts, when he's saying that Luke is, is in his first book in the Gospel of Luke, is saying these are the things that Jesus began to do and teach. He's saying in the book of Acts, this is what Jesus is doing and teaching. And so the book of Acts at the, at the end, when we get to, uh, was it 26 or 28? I can't remember, it's an even number. 28 chapters in Acts. So we're a little over halfway through. It just ends with Paul in prison, and it just kind of leaves you on like an end note, like a, like a high note. Or for Paul, that might have been a low note. But he's just in prison, and he's like, well, you're like kind of left with what... What happens next? It's like a cliffhanger. Like it just says that like Paul got in prison and he and he taught people for a few years. You're like you're kind of left like man. Like there's there's got to be more to the story, and there is. There's there's been two thousand years of that story of what Jesus is doing through His Spirit and through His people in the church. And if you just look historically, that how that is how God was growing the church. Through and growing God's kingdom through his church in the book of Acts, that's largely how he's done it through the history of the world of the last 2,000 years. He hasn't changed very much. He hasn't really changed at all. Uh, sometimes the church takes certain swerves to the right or left to emphasize various things, but what we're trying to do is look at the book of Acts as a model, as the faith of the apostles and what to imitate and, and consider their outcome and imitate that and to restore all the things that God has, has, wants to see in his church. And so, um, and so the first part of the book of Acts was just largely focused on can Gentiles even be saved? Can they even be Christians or is this a, is this a small sect? And so we don't really argue that anymore because we're all Gentiles. I don't, Maybe there's one or two people that have some kind of actual Jewish lineage, but we're all Gentiles, and so we don't really argue that anymore. Uh, at least I don't, because then I'd be arguing for myself. If I got it wrong, that, that would be bad. 
And, and so now, as we get into the rest of the book of Acts, it's how is the grace of God coming and these Gentiles that are clearly admitted into the faith, into the church, how, how do we accept them and how do we receive them? And so we'll get into that next week. I don't think we're going to have time to... Um, well, I don't really want to get into that because the whole message is about grace and you don't want to handle grace in 12 minutes. Uh, and so we've got time on our hands. Come next week uh, and, and hear about that. But, but so what we're doing, you know, through the book of Acts and through weekly communion as we can probably uh, start having the kids come up. And, but so as we come to communion every week, we're, what we want to do is understand what the Lord has done and what he is doing. And so we don't come to the table in a manner that says, we're going to come here and uh, this is how we become righteous or this is how we, uh, uh, we just do this and it makes us clean and it makes us acceptable to God and then we can go out and that's like a, uh, like a weekly vaccination and it'll keep me safe for one week and I'll come back and I'll... And so our faith isn't in the bread and the wine. The faith is, our faith is in the body and blood of Jesus Christ, in his promises of what he said he will do. And so when he says in, in Matthew 16, I will build my church, he will. He will do it. He will do that with uh, the most unlikely of suspects, like us. <laughs> He'll do that with, uh, um, with the, this, this glory that is descending and hidden throughout history is you just if you look at the growth of the church, it hasn't been a political movement. It hasn't been a large-scale uh, top-down movement. It's been a, in a, been a grassroots, locally, individually, uh, one by one, growing his church year by year by year. And he said that a little over or a little under 2,000 years ago. And he, his promises remain the same. He will do that. He is building his church. And so we don't come to the table in such a manner that says we're going to muster up our own faith and we're going to take Jesus's commands and his promises in scripture and then we're going to work as hard as we can out of our own might. We are going to work as hard as we can, but as we come to the table to get his strength, we come in the new covenant that he has already said it, he has already done it, and he's already been doing it for 2,000 years. And so we apprehend his grace and his body and his blood to have more grace to go out and do it. And so uh, as we come to the table, it says, let us not uh, come, Paul tells us in First Corinthians not to come in, in an unworthy manner, and that's largely like how do we treat our brothers and sisters. And so sometimes we think that, well, I'm going to come in an unworthy manner because I, I sinned this week, and well, we all sinned this week. And so none of us could really come to the table if it was that. We come, and the Lord promises that if we confess his, our sins, he is faithful to forgive us. And so all that he requires and wants to give us grace to do is confess our sins and rely in his promises to receive grace and go out this week and get more grace. And so this is a meal of celebration that God is lavishing his grace and his mercy upon us. And we just have to come and dine with him. And we just have to go and, and, and get more grace. And we just have to, it's like he's throwing the ball. We just have to catch it. We just got to like put our hand up and maybe we'll get hit. And it might knock us down sometimes and get a bloody nose. But <laughs> we just got to be in the way of his grace. And so come, let's dine with Jesus Christ.